Okay, very cool. Welcome this morning to Mount Zion Baptist Church. It is good to see each one of you. Before I introduce officially TJ to you, I do have a couple of other things I want to do. Today is a a special day for a couple of reasons. Number one, we have TJ. He's here. He's bringing the message. I'm excited about that. But for the last six years, we've had the opportunity of Joy leading our worship ministry. And today is her sixth anniversary leading. And I am very grateful that she is here. God bless you. Thank you. And keep on doing what you do. Thank you, ma'am. Now, yes, join me. T.J. Witherspoon. T.J. and I had the privilege of meeting each other now, maybe about six or seven months ago. And from there, we formed a friendship. And from that friendship became a realization that we both had a heart for Christ. And, And he quickly distinguished himself as a young man who's not only a follower of Christ, but a leader of his peers. Um, He signed up through FCA to do an internship this summer that let him invest in a lot of people. But he's also connected with us here at Mount Zion Baptist Church and helping us to reach um, the community at Clayton State. He's got family here, mom and dad and many other family members. So welcome. So truthfully, who's more nervous? TJ or you, mama? (laughs) I'm with you. I understand. I'm nervous too. All right. No, I am excited. This is T.J. Witherspoon. He's a young man that has a heart for Christ and a heart for you. So as he brings the word today, let's go ahead and welcome him now. For sure, sir. Let's open up in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for just bringing everybody here. Thank you for bringing the people here that you knew who need to be here, Lord. When you formed this world, you knew who was going to be here, Lord. And thank you for that. And I pray that you speak through me today, Lord. It's not a speech, Lord. It's a, it's a sermon, Lord. It's a, it's a, I'm preaching towards these people, Lord, that if I was speaking, then I couldn't do it, Lord. That's why I need you today, Lord. Holy Spirit, work through me. A lot of people to see your word through me, Lord. And thank you for what you're going to do today, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So when Pastor Chris asked me, asked me to preach, at first I was like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. But then thinking about it, I was like, man, I can, I can actually, tra- I can change some, change some lives. And so when he first asked me about it, I didn't know what to speak on, so I, I just prayed. And the one thing he brought up to me was our video we've been watching with the Ephesian series, as we're in between our, um, our in, in, right in the middle of our Ephesian series, we're going through family ties. Well, let's bring it back to Ephesians right quick. In the video we watched for Ephesians. We, it says, well, Sylvia says, Paul knew that if the Ephesians understood who they were and began to live in Christ, the world would never be the same. And then, and then um, the whole group says, the same, can be said, the same can be true for today. If we understand what it means to live in Christ, to be the church, our city, our world would never be the same. Never be the same. Never be the same. Never be the same. It says it multiple times. Also, this summer, serving as the intern leader with FCA, the FCA executive, executive director came and spoke to us one day. And he talked about FCA's um, mission statement. And it is to see the world transformed, I repeat, transformed by Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes. And so hearing never be the same and hearing transform 
I instantly knew what God wanted me to talk about today, how transformation versus transaction. And some people might think, like, transformation, transaction, well, what's the difference? We're going to dive into that. So the definition for transaction is an exchange or interaction between people. So a transaction, I can go from one object to another, but I can always go back and forth with it. For example, I can take these seeds. These seeds, these mushroom seeds, probably cost about three bucks at the store. So I give, I give the cashier 20 bucks for these seeds. So I give the cashier 20 bucks. I keep the seeds. And then I decide, I don't, I don't want the seeds anymore. I want my money back. I can take it back and get my money back. Or, oh man, I can go back and say, hey, I want, the, I, want the, I want the seeds again. Okay, so I get the money. I get the seeds. And the same is true for our lives with many people today in the church. They'll come, they'll come to church on a Sunday and they'll think it's all oh, got my Jesus in. So I get the seeds, put my, put my two cents in. I go back living to the world. But then, oh, man, I, fall, I fall, go back falling to sin. Man, I keep messing up, man. I, can't, I just can't do it. Go, the drugs are there. The pornography's there. The, um, the, all the bad stuff, so all the, it's falling short. So let me go back to the world. I'm, I'm going to fall short. Right, what can I do? What can I do? I'm missing the mark. So I'll go back to the world. And then later on, I'll go back to go back to church next Sunday. Oh, yeah, I put, I put it back in, but I'll go back. And essentially, the church, I'm going back to where it was. And same can be said about the camp, uh, camps. I worked the FCA leadership camp at St. Simons. And this kid, going to his freshman year, he's 6'3", 250 pounds, offensive lineman from Camden County. He tells me, oh, I got, I got saved last year at camp. But as soon as I went back home, I went back to doing what I was doing before. I said, man, you went through a transaction. And you go through transformation. So let's go through Romans 12, too. Let's see what that says about transformation. I'm reading out a New Living Translation today. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable to Christ. Now, I learned from the FCA, FCA chaplain at Florida State, who's also a pastor, that when you read the Bible, it was written in a totally different language. And so the world, this word transform was um, translated from the Greek word metaphora, metaphora. And Vine's, Vine's Explosionary Dictionary of New Testament defines the word as an obligation, an obligation being to undergo a complete change, which under the power of God will find expression in character and conduct. And the first part, metaphore, lays stress on the inward change that presents, that, pre, that presents continuous tense to, to indicate a process. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 describes believers as being transformed into the image of Christ, a change being affected by the Holy Spirit. So if we want to go by a change, there's, there's no way we can do it by ourselves. It has to be done through the Holy Spirit. And that's, what, that's why we have the um, baptism. We're dead, in, we're dead in our lives and made new in Christ. Being transformed, you're no, long, you're no longer the same. And also, Nelson's compact dictionary commentary 
says that a renewed mind will produce a life that can stand the test of time. We can resist temptations of our culture by meditating on God's truth and letting the Holy Spirit guide and shape our thoughts and behaviors. When we transform, we're no longer going back and forth between just making that transaction, going from the money or going from the world, going back to Jesus for just a little bit, and then going back. You see, when we truly transform, we take the money, we sow it inside, and say, man, I'm done with the world. I'm done with the world. It's no longer going to have a hold on me. So I'm going to take these seeds. We go out and plant these seeds. We plant these seeds, we get flowers. Another example is a caterpillar. A caterpillar is, um, well, I say me and my grandpa, we were out on, on our family farm. My grandpa, he's had his landscape and nursery business for over 40 years. He has, if you think of it, he probably grows it. He grows um, apples, oranges, lemons, um, pomegranates, okra, a little bit of everything. So one day I was back at home two weeks ago, and we went out, we went out to the family farm and started picking okra. And as we were picking okra, there was caterpillars there that's eating the plant, eating the plant. And so I'm a biology major as well, and whenever a plant is being eaten, it gives off chemicals. Those chemicals sends off messages to other animals to let them know that, hey, I got something right here, and come, come eat this. So whenever a caterpillar, caterpillar is eating a leaf, it is telling, a caterpillar is eating a leaf, it sends off defense chemicals, letting the um, birds and other insects know, hey, come eat this, I don't, I don't want this. And so the caterpillar is sitting there eating, eating the plant. And caterpillar eats the plant, eats the plant. And the same can be true as our lives before we give our lives to Christ. How we're sitting there eating the plant, we're, we're destroying the world. The caterpillar has no benefit to the plant whatsoever. And that's why the plant gives off the chemicals. And an example of this chemical is when you cut, cut your grass. Whenever you cut your grass, it's that fresh, that fresh cut, that's a fresh cut smell. as the same chemical defenses that the um, plants give off. Since you cut so much of your grass, more chemicals are in the air. So you can smell it. It, it gets inside of you. Even though it's just one caterpillar, we can't, it can't, the same thing cannot be there because it's so, so much on a little scale. But the little insects and the birds pick this up and they go in and devour the caterpillar. And the same can be true of our lives. If we continue to live in our sin without knowing Christ, then we're going to end up being devoured by the world. But with a caterpillar, the beauty about it is when it realizes or when it's um, realized that it needs to be changed, it grows through metamorphosis, indicating the word metaphoro, coincidence. <laughs> so with this, the caterpillar goes into its cocoon. When the caterpillar goes into its cocoon, it's there for a few days. But once the caterpillar uh, comes out from its cocoon, it's a butterfly. So the same plant this very same plant that will send off defense, defense mechanisms to kill this caterpillar, the same, the same creature, it was going and devouring the plant. It realized it needed a change. It changed. And through the few days of process, like I said, this Christian faith is it's not, it's not something instantaneous. 
It can happen in a day. It went through the metamorphosis and returned to a butterfly. And the same plant that was devouring, devouring that was causing defense mechanisms to come and destroy the caterpillar was going to come in and, and um, back up. So uh, the same plant, it turns into, it has, it has a flower. And so this flower is made to attract the same creature that was devouring it. So a butterfly comes in and it pollinates the flower. So think about that. The butterfly comes in, fly, the same plant where, cal where caterpillars are devouring it, it's coming in and repollinate it. When it comes in and repollinate it, it goes off to other different plants. When it does that, it's causing the plant to be able to reproduce and make more. So when it does that, it's going from a state of, the caterpillar is going from a state of destroying the plant, and the butterfly is going to a state of making new plants. And so God called us to go out and make disciples. So as butterflies, we're going out and making disciples. We're, we're, we're repollinating these plants. When we do this, we're transforming the world. Because before, like I said, the caterpillar is sitting there destroying the plant. But with this, with this butterfly, we're going out reproducing, making new plants. That's my challenge for everybody today, just go out and be, go out and be butterflies, not caterpillars anymore. Because when you truly become a butterfly, there's no way you can go back to that, go, go back to that caterpillar. And the beauty about it is whenever a caterpillar, whenever a butterfly lays its eggs, it doesn't hatch into a butterfly. It hatches to a caterpillar. It has to go from a state of being broken and, and um, devouring, devouring the world to a state of replenishing the world. The same can be true for ourselves. As we're born into the world, there's nobody here to tell us, oh, um, don't steal, or don't, don't say mine, mine, mine. That's naturally built into us. And just like the caterpillar, it's naturally built into it to eat and devour that plant. So when it finally understands, hey, I'm a butterfly, and goes to that change, and that change doesn't happen in a day. It happens through a couple of days of process. Just like our lives, we don't, that instantaneous process is not going to take place. You have to go through that change and change requires time, requires time. Now let's look at how to help the transformation process. And the perfect example of how to do that is Jesus. How Jesus came into the world and he transformed the world. So let's look at a few examples of how he did that. Number one, focus on what's currently around you. Psalms 119.105 talks about how, how, how um, the light, the light of the path is at our feet. It's not in front of us, it's at our feet. So we need to focus on what's around us. You might be wondering, man, this situation is not, not what, what I want to be. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be um, a CEO of this company, but um, I'm just be a janitor right now. Or I want to be a um, professional athlete, but right now I'm on a JV team. You got to trust that God has you in this moment for a purpose. If he, if he had you being a CEO, you'd be doing CEO things. He'll, he'll be able to influence lives through that way. But God likes to feed for a path, so we don't need to look ahead. We need to currently focus on who, who's around us. Who can, who can we um, look to and transform? Who can we look to 
and see, hey, I see um, my friend Wayne over here. I can see that he's going through this. Let me see what I can reach, what I can do to, him, do to help him out. As Jesus did with the Good Samaritan, talked with the Good Samaritan, he had, he, um, in the story of the Good Samaritan, there was a priest and uh, some, one other guy who walked past um, the, the lame person on the path. They walked by and went on their business. Oh, I'm supposed to be going X, Y, and Z. I can't focus on what's going on there. I got to keep going. The light was in front of them and on their path. But the Samaritan, he stopped. He stopped and looked what, what, was, on the, what was currently on. And he stopped and helped, helped the, um, the lame. And so Jesus said, be the Samaritan. Be the person who, who stops and sees who's around him and influences people who are currently around him. Not having a feet, not, not having a light in front of them to see where they're going, but have the light on their feet to see who's currently around them. So my challenge is see who's currently around you and be, that, be, that part, be a part of the process, help transform them. This year, uh, I run track at um, Clayton State. And so this year, um, I was one second from qualifying for nationals. The um, NCAA provisional mark was 152.16. My fastest time this year was 153.12. That's one second. I hit, that, I hit 153 about three or four times this season, this past season. And every time, it'd be different tactics. One race, I'll take it out, and then the second lap, it'll come back and get me. If you're on 800, it's a race that you really have to, it's a fast race, but you really have to pace yourself. If you go out too fast, then you're going to die the second lap. If you go out too slow, then you got to sprint the second lap just to be able to maintain and be able to hit that time. So I ran it fast, first lap. I ran it slow, first lap. I ran it in the front, I ran it in the back. No matter how many times I ran the race, probably three or four, probably four or five times that season, I never was able to get past that 153 mark. And sitting there, I'm like, man, God, like, I ran at University of Tennessee. I beat all, all of these SEC guys, the week before SECs. Like, why, God? Like, why wasn't I going to nationals and doing, I've been praying, I've been, I've been praying. I've been eating right, I've been training hard, but, but why? But then, um, the week after school ended, my coach, she had called me. said, hey, TJ, I need you to show, need you to show around a recruit. I said, okay, I can show you, I can show him around. So I come up to campus, and I'm sitting there 30 minutes. I'm sitting there five minutes, and the guy never shows up. 20 minutes, the guy never shows up. 30 minutes, the guy never comes. I'm, let me go ahead and run and do my workout. We're trying to get ready for cross-country season. So I go and get my run in. Well, first I go and to get my running clothes out of my car. So I get to my car, get my running clothes out, close my trunk. As soon as I close my trunk, I realize I left my keys in my trunk. <laughs> so I had to call public safety and like, hey, um, I messed up. <laughs> I locked my keys in my trunk. So they spent about 20, 30 minutes sitting there trying to jerry-rig my car and get the, um, get my keys out. Eventually they get it out. I get my four, four miles in, I run, and then I go back to my car to get my clothes to shower. As I'm walking back to my car, I run to our grad assistant coach, Wayne. Wayne, he was a 15-time All-American national champion at his school. And um, I felt in my heart, the Holy Spirit is telling me, let's, let's talk to Wayne. Hey, Wayne, what are you doing this weekend? That weekend we had an FCA collegiate retreat. 
where student athletes from all, all over the Southeast come and fellowship one another and grow closer, grow closer to Christ. So, hey, Wayne, what are you doing this weekend? He said, man, I'll probably go out with my frat brothers and do, do whatever. I was like, well, um, we're, having our, we're having our FCA retreat this week. You should, you should come. How much does it cost? That's the first question he asked. I said, well, Aunt Wayne, it's $350. Oh, I can't go. Can I go for free? I said, let me make a couple of calls. Let me make a couple of calls. And so instantly I pick up my phone. I call my good friend Sida, who's a chaplain at Georgia Tech, and he helps out here at Clayton State as well. I give her a call. I say, hey, I got, I got my good friend Wayne. He's, he's um, interested in coming to camp, but he can't head up $350. So what can we do for him? Oh, don't worry about it. He's covered. I say, all right, I'll tell him. I said, all right, Wayne, we're going. I got you a free ticket, and I'll, I'll drive you down. Let's go and see how God works. And so we get there, and Wayne, he was a guy before who, who was um, just, just struggling to find his path, just struggling to find his path. Uh, Wayne, like I said, 15-time All-American, he's, he's been up to the top of the pinnacle, but there's just, there's just something more, there's something more. And we get there, I can see Wayne sitting toward first day of chapel. He's sitting there in the back, just this man, cool Wayne. He's, he's a cool guy. 50 time All American, he's a cool guy. And so as the, as the, um, the weekend progressed, I see Wayne asking questions and talking to various people. I check in, I check in on Wayne and said, Wayne, how you doing? TJ, man, it's, it's awesome. It's like, and I'm speechless, to be honest, and seeing how God's working and seeing these people from around the, around the country, around the world, student athletes who go to school in the Southeast, but from around the world, come together and fellowship one another. It was something that it's, you don't see that often. And so as we get back, me and him are talking. It's like, TJ, like, thank you. It's like, if you wouldn't have invited me to go to that, go to the retreat, I probably, be, I probably went out and probably drank it up with my frat brothers and then I don't, I don't know what. And so just that, that, just that little invite, being, being in the moment. I locked my keys in my trunk. I was waiting for that recruit to come. He never shows up. It was a bad day. Instead of letting, instead of letting that bad day to soak in and fester, I made forth the effort to reach out to my friend Wayne, who, was, who crossed my path. I didn't keep on, continue to walk past, just like the, the priest. I decided to be at Samaritan to sit there and stop. Stop and talk to him. Hey, Wayne, I got this man, this, this guy named Jesus. Let's, let's come, come learn a little, little about him at the camp. And now Wayne, he's been attending the church ever since then. And he actually led one of our FC huddles this summer. And to see how Wayne has grown in just a short period of time is truly awesome. Wayne went from that caterpillar to a butterfly in less than a month. And that's truly awesome. That's just truly awesome. All right, number two, continue to build community. When we look at Luke 6, 12 through 19, I'm going to read verse 12 for you. One day after Jesus went up to the mountain to pray, went up to the mountain to pray, and he prayed all night. So first, there's a thing we learned this past, I've interned FCA two summers in a row, and it's one thing they've taught us is up, in, and out. So first is the up. Before we go out and reach people, we need to connect with God. 
like I said, Jesus is our example. The first thing he did was go up to the mountain and pray. He went to the mountain to get connected with Jesus. He knew he can do anything unless, until he got connected with him first. So he went up to the mountain, got connected, with, got connected with God, his father. Let's see what he does after that. Verse 13. At daybreak, he calls together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be his apostles. Here are their names, Simon, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Simus, Judas, and Judas Iscariot. So next, Jesus went up to the mountain and prayed. He got us up. And then he got us in. You look at Jesus, he went up to the mountain and prayed, and then he went up to his group of people. So he didn't go up to the mountain and then go reaching out people first. He went up and then went out to his group of guys, the 12 guys. Jesus had 12 disciples with him a lot, a lot, a lot of the time. And also, out of 12 disciples, he had three guys he spent a lot of time with. Peter, James, and John. Those three guys Jesus did, he did a lot of stuff with. He wasn't doing it by himself. He went, he went up to the mountain and got connected with God. And then he went, went in and got connected with his fellow believers. So let's look at what he did after that. Verse 17, when they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area, surrounded by many of his, many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over, there were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem who came as far north as the seacoast and as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. And then they came, they came to hear him and healed, and he healed their diseases. Those showed by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because of healing power and went and healed from him. So Jesus went up, went up to the mountain, got, con got connected with God, leading within with his, um, group, his, his homeboys, I could say, with his group of guys he did life with. And then he went out. So first, following Jesus' example, when he go in, so with my end, um, waking up early in the morning to pray. I got my prayer book. I spend, I pray for my friends. I pray for myself. I pray for a situation. I pray for the day. I pray to God to open opportunities and allow me just to work through him. And also I read, his finished Romans was just a powerful book. And then I have my end. And my end this past year, I've had my good friends, Tommy and Nick. So last year, at the Fisher internship, I was telling the, uh, one of the chaplains at Georgia Tech, Keith Brown, how, how God was truly tra was transforming me. And he's like, TJ, that's awesome. But for you to truly have an impact on your campus, you need to have an end. And so I prayed to God, my God, show me a couple guys that I can have my end with, that I can, I can be open and transparent to. And so he showed me Tommy, Tommy and Nick. So the first week of school last, last year, I took Nick out to dinner. Hey, Nick, um, I don't know how to do this, but I feel like God was telling me that I need, I need to find an end. And you're one of the guys that, that, God was, that God was telling me that I need to bring in. And so we eat, and then we come to conclusion, oh, yeah, he's, he's telling me the same thing. And so he's one of my guys for end. And then a couple of days later, I take Tommy out. It's like, Tommy, um, I feel like you're my other end guy. I feel like we can help each other grow. 
and this, have an impact on this campus. And so yeah, TJ, I, I agree, I agree to it. Let's, let's meet. So we met every Wednesday throughout the school year. It went from us just eating dinner together, or us studying, um, studying in the Bible, so we're just sitting around hanging out. So we spent that time together just fellowshipping and just replenishing ourselves. And then after that, we went out. So my main area of focus is my, my fellow teammates on campus. Tommy, he's a, he's a chemistry major. He focused on a lot of uh, the people in the science department. And also as a tutor, we focus on people in the tutoring center. And then Nick, he's a president of BCM, so he focused on the people who come to BCM. So each of us, we go out to our various paths, and none of us go to the same church either, but we come in together and grow together to allow us to go out and reach other people. And then for our out, I had three teammates, um, Tyler, Chris, and Adarian. And two of them actually got baptized up here this past, this past spring. And um, just seeing how God moved in their lives, I was just being myself. I wasn't, I wasn't pushing a Bible in front of them. We were just sitting around our living room playing Fortnite. <laughs> just having a good old time. Just doing what guys do. Just having a little influence on them. Just, just um, saying a little stuff, kind of triggering their mind, asking questions. And just doing life with them. And at first, I invited them to SCA. It was very hesitant, man. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know about it. And over time, I said, hey, we got free Chick-fil-A. Oh, I'm there. <laughs> That's all it took. Hey, Chick-fil-A, I'm there. So there was this one Tuesday. We, we usually had, last semester, we had around 10 people show up. So it was one day. It was just me, Pastor Chris, Tyler, Adarian, Chris, and other um, friend, Riley. And so we're sitting around. And um, Pastor, Griff, Pastor Chris, he gives, he gives, he gives our, um, he leads our, leads our Bible study for today, for that day. And at the end of it, he said, guys, do y'all truly have Jesus in your heart? Do you truly know him? Like, not, not a little bit, not halfway, but do you truly know him? I said, to be honest, we don't. We've been going along this path, and we've just been wandering aimlessly. I said, well, y'all ready to set them today? I said, we are. All right, let's, let's confirm this now. And so Pastor Chris and I, we sat there and prayed with them, and they accepted Christ to their hearts that day. It was, it was truly awesome. <laughs> let's see how just doing that, having a relationship with them was just, just magical. And see, that's me being myself, being, that's me being, being in the moment. Not looking forward to people, people along, on future tense, but looking who are currently around me and see who can affect me. But also going in, going into God, or going, going up to God first, going, being first connected, connected with him before I go out in the day. And again, my end with my guys, Tommy, Tommy and Nick, and then going out and reaching other people. And also in Acts, Acts 2, 42 to 47, it talks about building community. Acts, 40, Acts 2, 42. All, believers devoted, all the believers devoted themselves to be, to be the apostles, teaching and a fellowship, 
and sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them, and apostles performed many miracles and signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, shared everything, and they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together, in the te- worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of, of, of people, of all people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship and those who were saved. Those people, they were just doing life together. They weren't beating people upside the head with a word. They weren't just pushing it on them. It was doing life with them. It's being open and transparent with them. Just being TJ, being Joy, being Paul, being Keldron, just being themselves. And just by being that light and having the light shine through you, there's no telling what God can use through you. Help transform people. Help them go from that caterpillar to that butterfly. Let's look at the third point, establish relationships. So let's look at Christ's relationship with Peter. In Matthew 14, 22 to 20, 40, Matthew 14, 23 to 33, thoughts about how, how Peter was walking on water with Christ. So when Christ was walking on water through the storm, Peter calls out to God, God, in fact, really you call me out and walk on water with you. So, come on, Peter, let's walk. And so, as Peter's walking on water, he keeps his eyes on Christ, eyes on Christ. But as soon as he lets, takes off of Christ, that's when he falls to the water, and Christ is there to pick him up. The same is true with our lives today. If we keep our eyes on him, when we take our eyes off him for a moment, we'll slip and fall. But he's always there to have a helping hand to pick us up. No matter what, no matter what. Also with Paul, when um, Jesus was telling his disciples, I'm going to die. I'm going to die one day, but I'll, but I'll be back. And Peter says, no, Lord, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. You're, you're always going to be with us. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Peter and, Peter and Christ had that relationship that and no matter how much Peter slipped up, the hand was there. Or Peter saying, what God, telling what Jesus said was not true. But he still, he still brought him back in. So no matter how much we slip up, his, and Peter had a relationship where he knew that, man, Jesus, he's looking out for me, so I can, I, I can, I can take it. And then another time when Peter slipped up was when Peter denied Christ. When, um, when Christ says, um, Peter, you're going to deny me before the rooster crows in the morning, Peter's like, no, God, I'm, I'm never going to deny you. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. Next day, no, you're the guy who followed, followed Jesus. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, I'm not. Oh, you, you're that guy. Oh, no, no, I'm not. You're the guy. No, I'm not. Rooster, rooster, rooster. Cock-a-doo-doo-doo, cock-a-doo-doo-doo, cock-a-doo-doo-doo. And as soon as he hears it, he realizes, oh, snap, I messed up. I really messed up again. Peter, this guy who was always there with Jesus, uh, he was there when um, Jesus went up to the mountain and saw a trans- the um, transfer from, transfer from um, He saw 
Jesus up there with Elijah and Moses. This guy, he saw how powerful Jesus is. He still slipped up and fell. But the beauty of it was that wasn't the last time that Peter saw, saw Jesus. When Peter, when um, Jesus returned and he saw disciples, and Peter saw him walking off far the water, Peter was the first person to jump out of that boat and start swimming to the water towards Christ. He knew he messed up. He knew that, man, every time I fall, Jesus is always there. I messed up. I've denied him three times. But I'm not going to let that change. I'm not going to let that hold me back. I'm going to jump in that water. I'm, I'm going to swim to him as fast as I can. Not throw off his clothes or nothing. I'm, I'm going in. I'm ready to go. And that's, the, that's the beauty of it. That Peter had the relationship with Christ where he knew that no matter how much he's going to slip up, he's going to give him the words he needed to truly, truly be transformed. And that's why the transformation process, that's why transformation is a process. It's not something that will happen overnight. Some will take day by day. But when we truly transform, we're not, no, longer, no longer worrying about the past. And that's why to repent is meaning to, to be truly, to, be, to, to, turn, to turn completely away from it. So when we repent, we walk at one, one way. We know we're in, our, we're in our struggles, we're in our sins. But when we repent, we're going a completely different route. We're going, we're taking 180. We're no longer, we're no longer seeking that. I was talking to one of my um, new freshmen on the team. Um, his name's Brian, and he was like, "TJ, um, so I see our, our relationships. Like, let's let's talk about them. So I see people, um, Christian people, and they start dating non-Christian people. Like, well." How does that work? And I said, well, God calls us to be um, equally yoked. And we're equally yoked. We're supposed to be with the people we're, um, who's going on the same path we are. But I said, how, but how, how do we know they're on that same path we are? I said, well, if you're keeping your eyes on Christ, then the people who are around you, you'll be able to see through your peripherals who's, walk, who's running this race with you. And you're not, you're not looking back to see who this um, Susie who's behind you you're looking, at, you're looking in front of you and seeing who's, who's beside you. And so with that, you, you're equally yoked. So whenever you keep your eyes on Christ, you're not looking back. Whenever you look back to find that person, that's when you fall. But Jesus, he's there to pick us up. So telling Brian that, I said, man, I see exactly what you mean, man. And just, I've been dating this girl for seven years, and I feel like she's, she's on, the, on the same peripheral as me. We're constantly striving to reach toward, closer towards Christ. Man, keep on that, because I want that one day. I'm single, so. <laughs> also look at my peripherals. All right, God, I got somebody for me then. Let me know. Until then, I'm keeping my eyes on you. I'm not going to look back and fall in the water like Peter. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. So you, have me, so you direct my path and tell me who, who I should be following. Right. Also, the next point, be willing to serve. You look at um, Jesus right before, the, right before his crucifixion. He goes out and washes the disciples' feet. Jesus, the Lord of all, King of all kings, Alpha and Omega, he's sitting there washing people's feet. Like, I got ugly feet. I, won't, I, won't, I don't think nobody will wash my feet. 
But just to see how God washed their feet, like I said, to help, help people in the transformation process, we need to look to him. Look to him for our examples. He washed people's feet. I'm not, going, I'm not saying go out and wash people's feet, but everyone has different, everyone has different, um, everyone has different um, spiritual gifts. Some people might be serving. Some people might be singing. Some people might be listening. Some people might be speaking. So it's use, use your gifts that God has given you. Help people transform. Like on Sunday nights, we have open gym at 6 p.m., whether, whether it's volleyball or basketball. Now some people can go out and just ball with those guys, and just, just be there, just dominate. I see Pastor Chris out there trying to, trying to do, I don't know what he's trying to do, but he's trying to do something. <laughs> just hanging out, just hanging out, being be there. Long enough now. <laughs> so just being there, he's an impact on guys. I'm not saying to go out and play with the guys. You can go out and serve the food. You can go out and greet people. Or you can just go out and stand and talk to people who, talk, who, who are playing in between games. You don't have to play just to be, be there. As we've seen, um, the guy called himself Stone Cold, he, he got himself baptized. It's, it's having an impact on our community. And that's one thing that draws me um, towards this church. Let's see the outreach um, that, Mount, that Mount Zion has done. I remember the first day uh, I met Pastor Chris and Pastor Russell. They came to FCA Huddle. So FCA Huddle was majorly black guys and a few, a few females and one white guy. And these old white guys come walking in like, like, what's, like what's this? What's this? There's somebody that's, we have multiple people that's coming in and out. Like, what are these old white guys doing? And then, and then we see Chick-fil-A come in. So, oh, yes, come on, come in, <laughs> come in, come in. And um, just, just talking to them and seeing their hearts and, after that, Pastor Chris has been there every, every since then. I was like, man, this guy, he's, he's truly devoted. And talking to him, I'm just kind of just telling my story right before, it was right before our Thanksgiving break. He said, teacher, where are you going for Thanksgiving? I was like, well, I'm, I'm going back to my home at Adel. He was like, really? He said, um, Ms. Gail, my wife, her family is right from right, that, right down that area, that area. She's from Hayhara. And so we'll, we'll, be, we'll be there too. <laughs> and making that connection, I was like, man, it's like, it's a pretty cool dude. And so after, after the Christmas break, I come visit the church, and I see how diverse and how, how everybody's just so welcoming. It's one big family. I'm like, man, let me keep going. Let me keep coming here. This is really nice. I remember the, the second, second Sunday I was coming, I was a little bit late for transitions. I get a text from Miss Gail. TJ, we enjoyed you last week. Hope you're coming back. And as, as, soon as, I, as soon as I read that text, I was parked and walking in. I said, yeah, well, I'm back, so. <laughs> and so it's nice to see how, they're so wel- how everybody here is so welcoming. And at my time in my life, I really needed somewhere to plant my roots. I've been, I didn't have a church home. I was just going from church to church. And to be able to come here and just plant my roots was truly, truly awesome. Well, thank you all. And also with serving, um, in this past spring, we hosted, or the church hosted, I said we hosted our track and field team. And track and field team came to have spaghetti dinner right before one of our track meets. And at our track meet, and at the um, dinner, well, my good friend Ariel, she was there. 
And so Ariel, um, she person is kind of here and there everywhere. If you've seen her on church, she's here one second, there another second. The spontaneous is all over the place. And she comes in, and um, yeah, she's having a ball. As I'm taking her back to her apartment, she was, oh, I left my um, book bag in my coach's van. So I had to drive her to a coach's house and then um, drive her back. And as we're driving back, I start talking about the gospel. I said, Ariel, you said you had a good time, but do you truly know Jesus? And it's like, you can, you can um, say you're a part of it, but you actually don't have to know him. He's in your heart. And so that night, that night after the, after the, um, that night after our, our track team dinner, Ariel gave her life to Christ. In my car, just, just talking about, just talking about life. So it's another moment where the light, the light, the light of the path at the feet, not in front of you. And so Ariel now, she's working with the youth. She's working with high schoolers. Ariel, she's doing stuff that I, I never imagined Ariel, Ariel, Ariel could ever do, to be honest. And seeing how she's transformed in such a short period of time, it's just truly awesome. To see how she's just moving and growing towards Christ, it's just truly awesome. And just to see how now she's going out and posting and telling her friends, all right, come, come to Mount Zion with me too. It's like, we're one big, one, one big family. So if you had church, a bad church experience, come here. It's going to be totally different. We'll be, we're one big happy family. We're, we're the good, the bad, and the ugly, but we love each other. <laughs> <laughs> Also, this past week, we had our student athlete welcome back. So our student athlete welcome back was with over, 100, over 150 student athletes on our campus. We have men's basketball, women's basketball, men's soccer, women's soccer, men's golf, men's track, women's track, men's cross country, and women's cross country. Mount Zion came and fed everybody. And that was truly awesome. And as I was walking in, some student athlete had to be inside the meeting as well. As I was walking out and checking on them, make sure everything was performing smoothly, I walked out with a couple of coaches. And they're sitting there looking like, man, Mount Zion, they're really doing it, man. They're serving some really good food. Like, we never have this. Like, why is it, why are they being so nice to us? And I see how that relationship is building. We're planting those seeds and continuing to nourish those seeds. They're eventually going to, um, Turn to plants. No longer being a transaction going forward, going from the money, going from the seeds, going from the world, going back, going, going back to Christ. We keep planting those seeds, they're eventually going to turn into the flowers. <laughs> and then finally, last point, be open and transparent. Romans 7, 15, 17. I don't, I don't really understand myself. For, one, I, for what I want to do is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. I am not the one doing wrong. It is a sin living me that doesn't. With this, this was written by Paul. Paul was a person who at first he was, he was killing Christians he was killing hundreds and thousands of Christians, just slaughtering them. And one day, just one day, Jesus came. It's like, why are you killing my people? 
And then that same day, that's how long that process took for him. Took for him. Went from a caterpillar to to a um, butterfly in just one day. That's truly awesome. But he still went on the process. But he went through that metamorph that metamorphosis in just one day. And then he went out and started serving people. So just to see how Paul talk, talks about how he wanted to do what is right, but he can't. It's like everybody here, the only person who walked this earth and had a perfect life was Jesus. Pastor Chris, myself, Pastor Russell, John, everybody has something that's, that's, that's a, little, a ding in an armor. Nobody is perfect. Only Jesus was a person who is perfect. And so being open and transparent with people, that's what it, that's what it really takes. And you might question, man, what's my might taking and use it against me? That's why, we, that's why we have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will come and tell you, share this with this person. But don't, don't tell them everything, but share just a little bit of it. Or don't share it at all. When the Holy Spirit is truly inside of you and working, working inside of you, He's going to let you know what to say. Just like myself, I'm not a good speaker. I'm horrible. <laughs> but just to see how, to see how God is going to use me with this. Like I said, I'm not speaking today. I'm preaching. If I was speaking, it would come from my own accord. But as preaching, I'm coming from the word of God and let Holy Spirit work through me. So I'm just allowing, just allowing the Holy Spirit just to work, just to work, just to work. Because I can bring, I can gather these words together if I tried. And that's why, like with Paul, he was killing these Christians for a very long time. But when he truly transformed, he went out and wrote most of the New Testament. I'm not saying go out and write, go, go write, go write, write some books. Like I said, everyone has their gifts, whether it's listening, whether it's cooking, whether it's landscaping, whether it's whether rather as um, building houses. Everyone has a certain gift. And using that gift to glorify God, because no matter what, if you use your gift to glorify God, people are going to be transformed. They're no longer going to be the same. You're never going to be the same. Never going to be the same, as the video says. So that's my call to everybody today to help be part of the transformation process. Because, like I said, very rarely it takes one day. Very, very, very rarely it takes one day. And I heard one old man, old wise man, tell me one, one time that it takes um, a person 99 times to hear it, hear the word of God. And he might be that, the 100th person to come in and have an impact on somebody. So you really never know where somebody's at. Just be there, be in the moment. And don't be, don't be afraid to show your faith. Don't beat people inside the head with the Bible, but just be yourself. Be that light. As you're being that light, you'll be able to transform lives. And like Romans 1.16 says, for I'm not ashamed, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. If you're truly not ashamed, you're just going to live your life and be that light for people. As you're that light, people are going to see, man, uh, he's a Christ follower. One thing we've done this past, this past two summers um, with the FC internship we go out to a public place and look for a person of peace. And so this past summer, me and Nick, we're walking through Piedmont Park. Um, and all of a sudden, I see this, this man out there fishing at Piedmont Park and catches a little small, a little small bass. 
I said, let's go, let's go talk to this man. And so this man, his name is Ali. Ali was born in Egypt. And sitting there talking to him, he was, he was kind of hesitant. And then um, we were talking about the World Cup, a few, a few random things, talking about Trump, World Cup, a few other stuff. And then his buddy, he's out there fishing with him. He, he mentioned something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he mentioned something. And, and um, I talk about Christ. Oh, yeah, um, that's like how Jesus did something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I'm, I bring Christ into it. Oh, Christ? Oh, that, that man, he, he was a sinner. I was like, what were you talking about, man? What are you talking about? And so he says, well, Jesus, he, um, um, he, he was down on the cross. He's like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when he did that, he was basically running away from God. No, no, I don't think he was. So one of the songs, it, it, it depicts that moment perfectly. It, it describes in detail how Jesus went down the cross. Detail by detail. And so, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's written exactly in the song. And see how this man who doesn't know, doesn't know what he's talking about, he tried to use that to turn people away from Christ. We have people like that all the time. Like I was, watching, I was on Facebook the other day, and this man who called himself a missionary, he was off in Uganda, and um, he, was, he was cussing at the hotel employee, telling him he's not a human. We have people like that in the world who try to use the name of Christ and try to make us look bad, and that hurts my heart very dearly. See how people use that and use it against us. And so that's why I truly need people to come out and just put that away and to show them what Christ is truly like. And with Ali, he told me, growing up in Egypt, he, he's looked at um, Hinduism. Um, he was born a Muslim. Um, looked at Judaism. He's looked at religious from all around the world. He's lived, he lived in Egypt most of his life. He spent some time in India as well. He, talk, he gave me one story of how he was, he was walking across the street. As he walked across the street, a uh, policeman comes and stops him. He's like, he's like what's wrong? It's a, it's a, it's a walkway. And I, it's, it's, it's a red light, so I can walk by. He said, well, the God is walking by. He's like, God? What God? It was a cow. <laughs> and so, see, so he talked about that story, how worshiping a cow. And then... Ali was telling me how this one time he was walking through, I was walking through Jerusalem where he lived at the time. And for some reason he felt compelled to walk inside a church. He wasn't a Christian. He was, he was, he was a Muslim at the time. But he felt compelled to walk inside the church. So Ali, Ali walks inside the church. He walks up to a Nigerian man and he, who, who just talks to him and tells him, and um, he tells him, Hey, Ali, I'm, I'm, I'm like, the Holy Spirit said, you're looking for a job. And Ali's like, how do you know that? He said, well, the Holy Spirit is telling me. And he's also telling me to tell you that you're going to get one very soon, really soon. So Ali, he leaves. Oh, man, what's, what's this crazy Nigerian Christian man talking about? Let me, let me keep on going. So as he's walking down the street, there's an old lady, an old lady outside her house. Young man, come here. Young man, come here. And he walks inside. He said, he goes inside, he said, come downstairs, come downstairs. And said, but I don't know, but the Holy Spirit was telling me that I'm supposed to give you a job. I'm supposed to give you a job. I don't know why. I don't have that much money to pay you, but I'm supposed to give you this job. 
Ali told me as soon as he left that, he went back to the church. <laughs> so man, this, what's, the, what's the Nigerian man got going on? And so at that moment, he gave life to Christ and started working, going along that process. And now Ali, he's here in the States, and he's trying to support his family here in the States. But Ali, he's experienced religious from around the world. And one thing he told me that what sets what set, what Christianity apart from every other religion was that Christ, you look at his life, it's all love. It's all love. You look at Muhammad, Muhammad, he was out here killing folk. <laughs> But with Jesus, the only thing he did was preach love. And that's what truly drew me in. As I started talking to the, the Nigerian man, and we started going through the Bible, going through the New Testament, going through the Gospels, all I saw was love. As I've been reading my Koran, there was some love, but there was also some other stuff. But reading this, it was just all love, all love, all love. And so that's why Jesus tells us the most important commandment is to love. And so to be truly transformational, just go out and love your neighbors. That's the one thing we cannot, we cannot emphasize enough. If you do it with love, Christ is going to use you. Because when you love other people, you'll be able to see that love and see Christ in you. And so my call for y'all today is to, if you're going through that transaction, go ahead and Go ahead and leave the money aside at a cash register. Take your seeds, plant them, and produce a plant. <laughs> so let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for thank you for allowing us to no longer go through that transaction anymore, to be able to put our money, put our money in and get those seeds. And with those seeds, we're able to plant them. You said plant them on us, plant them on, a, um, plant them on uh, nutritious soil, and you're able to grow. And when we grow, we would bear fruit and allow other people to see how we're using, how you're using us, Lord. Let us no longer be the caterpillar, Lord. Let us go through that metamorphosis and become that butterfly. So as we become that butterfly, as we become that flower, as we become that plant. We won't, we won't be able to go back to where we were before. We're going to slip up. We must we'll take our eyes off you, Lord. We're going to fall through the water. But you're always going to be there to pick us up, Lord. Just thank you for always being there. Thank you for no matter how much you slip up, you're going to be there no matter what. I pray that as the people come, Lord, that we're able to cast aside, to exchange, exchange the money, pick up the seeds, and allow you to work in them, Lord. Just thank you. Thank you for how good and awesome you are, Lord. The various things you're doing here at Mount Zion, Mount Zion, Lord, thank you. What you're doing around the world, thank you. For you're the King of all kings. You're Lord of all lords. Just thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. <laughs>